Hear ye, hear ye. Hey, nice reverb, dude. Uh, thanks. <clears throat> Jeffrey J. Hardy, you've been summoned to a beer before the free market inquisition to answer to the charge of economic heresy. Um, excuse me? It has been reported that you did not condemn the dreaded Federal Reserve for their controlling monetary manipulating authoritarianism on your nasty little podcast. Ah, uh, okay. Um, which podcast are you referring to? We, we don't really know. You didn't listen for yourself? Um, no. You forgot to make your cell phone payment again. This isn't about me, you heathen. Let me guess. Medical marijuana, Call of Duty, and you live in either Denver or Seattle. Witchcraft! Never mind. Speak now. Do you condemn the Fed? Well, if you'd actually listened to my podcast, you know, episode 9, you'd already know that... Confess your sins. We will show you mercy. And yet, the market still moves. We find you guilty. Of being smart? Right. I mean, no, I, I mean... Welcome to the Jeff Effect. Welcome back to the Jeff Effect Podcast. And you know what? Um, we've shook things up a little bit. You know, um, in episode seven and episode nine, in episode seven, episode nine, we talked a little bit about the Federal Reserve and what they were doing to uh, take care of us during this uh, uh, COVID-19 crisis, this uh, pandemic, and the resulting economic disruption. And I was talking about it, and you know what? Um, I've been getting a lot of comments, and it's been interesting because people have known me for decades. They know I'm kind of a free market guy. I'm, I'm a very conservative economically. I'm not a, you know, a generally what they consider to be somebody who's a statist, Right? I believe that the free market should largely be left alone and, and uh, to their own devices most of the time. And uh, so people have been uh, getting a hold of me and saying, hey, Jeff, what's the deal? Have you changed your stripes? Have you converted? Are you now kind of a pseudo-socialist? Pseudo they say, hey, Jeff, are you, uh, are you now kind of a Keynesian guy? Are you now thinking that the government deserves to keep their hands in all of our pieces of pie? And, uh, you know, how have you changed? What changed you? And, you know, and here's the truth. You know, I didn't really change. Let me, let me, let me, you know, it's been rightly said that analogies never really persuade, right? So, you know, if giving an analogy to something doesn't convince anybody else of something, doesn't make them change their mind usually, that takes a much longer process and uh, it's, it's, it's involved. But an analogy, a good analogy, can maybe demonstrate an idea. So I'm going to take a risk. Let's talk in an analogy. Okay, so we all know something, right? We all know that the, be the best way to live our lives, we really do. Sir, yes, sir! 
you know, we, we know that we're supposed to eat right. We're supposed to eat a balanced diet of proteins and healthy carbohydrates, you know, not a lot of sugars, more vegetables and fruits, that sort of stuff. We know this to be true. We know we're supposed to drink plenty of water. We know that we're supposed to exercise regularly with a little bit of uh, resistance training and a little bit of cardio. Pop, you up. You don't have to go crazy, but a little bit of that. And that we are all individually, as we go through life, we will be healthier if we do these things. You know, uh, we, we tend to make fun of, of people sometimes who get a little bit crazy about it, you know, because we, you can get crazy about it, right? You can say, I am just going to be holistic and a natural path, and I'm only going to heal myself with herbs and, you know, green tea infused with lemon oil. And I'm going to practice yoga, and I'm going to do all these things, and, and all that's good for healthy living. Uh, you know, but you know, there's a you know, you can you should do that. These are the things you should do. These are the things to make yourself healthy, good balanced diet, good exercise, you know, healthy drinking habits, all that sort of stuff. And, and when we don't do that, you know, we're not surprised if you know if you eat nothing but McDonald's uh, French fries and burgers, as tasty as they may or may not be to you. Um, if you're not eating, if you eat a lot of the fast food of your choice, I think I'm having a heart attack here. Um, then uh, and you don't exercise and you consume you know 5,000 calories per day. We know that you're going to get you know a little bit out of shape. Now probably a lot out of shape, right? And if you don't exercise, you, and your health, long-term health, is going to be diminished. Yeah, if you if you don't have a healthy lifestyle, we know this, right? And it's absolutely true. Um, but you know, there's a changeover, right? So the the people the people who live a healthy lifestyle, you know, tell the people who are not living a healthy lifestyle on their day to day lives, right? They tell them that they should live cleaner, they should eat better, they should exercise more, and, and, and that's largely true because that's, that's how you have a healthier life. I'm, it sounds like I'm repeating myself, but I'm trying to make a point here. But let's say, let's say that you are a, somebody who wants to live a healthy life and you're exercising and you're eating right and the right amount of calories and the right balanced diet with proper minerals and vitamins and all those things, and you're getting plenty of sleep and plenty of hydration, and you don't like to go to the doctors and you don't take medication unless you, you, know, you, you, you have to give a little bit of a headache, you don't take a pill every time you have a headache. You don't take a pill every time you sneeze. You just kind of live the healthy life. You are going to be a healthier person. There's just no doubt about it. But if you are that person living the healthy, holistic, natural path lifestyle, the moment you get hit by a truck... Let's say, you're, let's say you're taking your morning jog down the sidewalk and a uh, Tesla's coming down the street and the guy's got it on autopilot. He's not paying attention. He jumps the curb and he clips you. You've now been hit by a Tesla. And in that environment, this is where holistic medicine and naturopathy falls down. This is where it fails. So in normal everyday living, holistic, naturopath, uh, you know, therapies are great and they make you healthier long term. But if you get hit by a Tesla on autopilot, you now need every invasive medical procedure necessary to put your body back together and to keep you from dying. It's two different things, right? Right? You think you know where I'm going with this, 
Huh? Uh-huh. Okay. Let me give you let me give you another example. Uh, Thomas Sowell, he's and and nobody nobody with a sane mind and a fair and balanced soul will think that Thomas Sowell is anything but a conservative leaning libertarian. He's an economist. He's he's been you know doing great work ever since the 1970s. Um, he was a personal protege of Milton Friedman, and the guy's just got game. And we are all lucky we've had him uh, around. He's still around. He's doing a lot of photography these days. But the point being is that he, in his in his seminal work, economics called you know, the book was called Economics, and the follow-up book was called Applied Economics. But in his book Economics, he used a different analogy. He talked about the place of government and the place of the free market. Right, he said. He 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 used this analogy. He says, you know, it, you know, the free market is going to build you an airplane, and the free market is going to take and help you buy a ticket for that airplane, and the free market's going to get you a seat, and the free market's going to deliver a cocktail to you in that seat. But in the rare and unusual chance that the engines on that airplane fail, oh man. Your personal market demand for a parachute will instantly spike to your entire net worth. But there is no way that the market can deliver the parachute to you. That was Thomas Sowell's analogy. So, so what am I saying here? What's the big idea? Um, I'm saying something that's actually kind of important, right? Um, we are all right and justified to be concerned about government intervention, and we're all justified and right to be wary and concerned about government debt. And people are going to be shouting about government de- about debt a lot right now. They're going to be shouting about it from the tops of their voices because it's 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 happening all at once. It's a big chunk. But the real problem of government debt is not what the United States has done in a crisis. It's never been that way. In fact, during World War II, we were, you know, we were fighting a war. And in the four years of World War II, when we were, we were just ramping things up, our national debt spiked to many times our, our GDP. It was far higher than it is today. As a ratio, we paid it off. The problem we have today and, and the libertarian and free market ideas that, that we should be living by are the ones that we live day to day our daily political and economic lives when things are within a reasonable realm of normalcy. And I'm not just talking about you live like a libertarian in the good times and you live like a socialist in the, in the recessions. I'm talking about sound, free market, low debt, libertarian ideals with, approaches, with approach to national economy work really, really well if you practice them for 95% of the time. And but what you need is, and when you do that, you build up a stronger economy, a freer economy that is more resistant when big crises happen, when real, not, not the fake crises like a minor dip in you know, GDP for a couple of quarters or a, a, a single stock market crash. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about the life-changing, nation-changing, history-altering events that's when you need to do something a little bit more, a little bit different. You know, uh, we are, our economy was doing really well. 
And yes, we spent too much money, but all of the all of the debt that's really that really all the debt that's there. And we do talk about the big debt infusions of in things like uh, uh, you know like the the great like the the financial crisis from 2000 to 2009, and even more the the supposed supposed debt. Uh, that we're, we're that we're doing now for the, in the during the COVID crisis, and and if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that most of that rescue package is not debt; it's something else entirely. But it's a different topic. But the government stepping in and being involved at these points is what you want them to do, right? You want them to deliver the parachute when the engines have fallen off the plane, and especially in this time. Think about it this way: the economy was humming right along. It was doing really well. We had a strong, a structurally strong economy across the board in virtually every industrial segment. Anybody who was not doing well was was not doing well because they were just not managing their businesses. They were managing their businesses poorly because even averagely managed businesses were doing well in the economy that we had. This pandemic stepped up, and the government ordered the economy to stop. To stop. Let's not, let's not exaggerate things, but we certainly shaved off, you know, because we, we, we haven't stopped everything. We've stopped, you know, the vast majority of consumer spending. Consumer spending is about 70% of our economy, so we've cut about half of consumer spending off. So we've, we, we've instantly ordered, but some, you know, do the math yourself, somewhere between 30 and 40% of the economy, we just turned the sucker off, right? And the, that was at government demand, whether it's federal government, state government, combination therein, upon government edict, we have shut those off. So this is the time that you need a strong central bank and a strong treasury department to step in and treat it like you're fighting a war. Because when you're fighting a war, you do you that's that's when that's when you are willing to spend money. That's when you should be willing to spend money, right? And if you want, we should in fact I should do I should do a, a one of these podcasts just on the national debt because it is an undeniable fact that 100% of the debt that we have right now, with the exception of the current crisis, but the 100% of the, the structural debt, the long-term debt that we've been facing as a country, 100% of it is directly related to, uh, to social programs that were started in 1963. Up until that point, we'd go deep into debt during a crisis, and then we'd pay that debt off quickly. We're not doing that right now, and, and so all the long-term debt that we have, and, I can, and this can be proved, the long-term debt that we have is all related to social spending, to what we call entitlement spending. That is uh, has gotten way out of control. Now, you can argue with me if you want to, but you will you're going to lose that argument. But the point I'm making is is that the time of crisis is not the time to cut back. We the economy's been hit. We were we were cruising down the sidewalk, living the healthies, and a Tesla got out of control, jumped the curb, and uh, took us out. We need the doctor to patch us up and get us back on the road. The, the, the point being is that this, the, the fiscal controls that we have that a lot of people are screaming about right now, those are what we need during the no, more normal time, during the 95, 90% of the time when we don't have a major war or a major uh, health crisis affecting the economy. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I want you to at least understand that because that's my position. That's my opinion and, and my, my, my arguably mathematically provable opinion is that 
if you're screaming about the debt right now, you're screaming in a hole all by yourself. Because I've been screaming about the debt for, for 40 years. It's something I've been aware of since I was a kid, right? But it's the debt that's amassed during normal times. And, and so watch this as well. The businesses that accumulated debt during the good times are the ones who are going to be struggling the most now that we have a crisis. As a, as a comparison, let's put, pick on Apple for a second. Right now, Apple doesn't have a lot of structural debt. All their debt that they do have is strategic. But what they do have is they're, during the good times, during the last 10 years, they've socked away $50 billion or more in cash in the last 10 years that they just stuck in the bank, right? And that was smart because they lived the healthy, debt-free lifestyle They didn't get carried away on acquisitions. They didn't get carried away on stock buybacks. They didn't get carried away on any of those things. They've protected their money. So they're going to be, you know, I think they have some other problems about how they're managing their technology. But from their finances, their finances are going to be sound because they lived the healthy lifestyle during the good times. Which right now, if they need if they need to strategically take some debt, it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to hurt them long term because they've got that under control. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If it doesn't, just you know, DM me through through Twitter. You know, it's it's Jeffrey J Hardy dot, at Jeffrey J Hardy, and or use the contact form at, on the website for this podcast, which is JeffEffect.com. And uh, we'll be happy to talk about it, you know. Um, and if you want more, if you want more background on the current Federal Reserve actions in the age of the COVID quarantine, you know, go back and re-listen to ep- uh, podcast episodes number seven and number. Listen to them all again because you know this is just intellectual gold. Admit it. You just you're addicted now. You specifically go back and listen to uh, listen to episodes number seven and episode nine, and I'll give you a little bit of background about what I think the Fed's doing well and why I think it's going to be kind of okay in crisis mode. But uh, uh, but you know, if you do that, do not tell the free market inquisitors because they can get pretty testy about the free market of ideas when they're not in full alignment with well their particular ideas on the free market. We find you guilty. Um, okay, so that, a little bit of promo stuff coming up. I'm working on a series of podcasts that I'm really excited about, and when we get done with the series, we're going to know the answer to a lot of questions. Questions like, do Nazis like chicken? Hmm. How do people mortally damage the ideas, issues, and institutions that they claim to support? Brexit. What is it good for? And many, and many more. All of these questions, believe it or not, are related to each other in my view. In fact, all of those questions have the exact same answer. And there's simply too much crazy value there. And it's, it's, it's still not going to fit in a single podcast, so I'm going to have to stretch it out. It's going to be at least two podcasts, but it might be three. And this will be so controversial that I think that just about everyone will get mad at me, which probably means that I'm on to something good. That's great. Um, that said, okay, that's it. Um, do me a favor. Take the next 30 seconds. I just need to, I, I'm not asking. You haven't heard a single commercial, and, and you're not going to. What I want you to do is taking 30 seconds of your time, 
like, share, and or write a little review about this podcast because I'm living out here on the intellectual edge of the internet and I appreciate your support even if it's just, you know, going out there and giving me a little bit of love online. So that's it, folks. Nothing but exciting times to come. I love you all. We're going to be great, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Oh,